As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome in to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Tuesday, January 12th. We have one week of the NFL playoffs in the books. Looking forward to a very fun divisional round. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about some fantasy football awards for the 2020 regular season. I'm Michael Beller, joined first by our award master, Jake Seeley. Jake, I've read through the column. I love the awards. I love the creativity. I'm excited to get to it. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Yeah, everybody gives out awards every single year. A few years ago, I'm like, hey, I'm old school video games. I love video games. Let's let's do it that style. Everybody remembers what these things are that we're going to talk about. Everybody remembers them. If I try to do like Fortnite game, that might be a different story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, you you definitely lose me there. But I'm totally who's flossing this with year? These ones. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, Stefan Diggs, right? We saw that oh, yeah, literally. On Who the flosses like that? By the way. Ago. Does anybody like Stephon like, Diggs and Turk full, Wendell? Maybe I don't know, but I'm just saying like the full side to side, like both sides of your teeth at the same. Like, nobody, so what's how would you where would you rate your guys' flossing skills on a Brandon Funston? By the way, one to ten scale. What's up, Brandon? Um, like a, um, like a two and good. a half, like a two yeah. and a half, some something low, very low for me. In my well, mind, yeah. of what like I should be able to do, it'd be like a seven. When it actually comes to fruition, I'd say a two might be generous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not dentists, right? <laughs> we, we just talk about we just talk about fantasy sports for a living. So that's what we're gonna do. Uh, that's what we're gonna do on Bad this jokes. episode. And um, but yeah, let's see. You know, it was it was a fun week, right? It was a fun uh, wild card weekend. We had uh, sorry Brandon the Rams with a with a little bit of an upset victory over the Seahawks. Uh, we had the Browns getting their first uh, franchise, the franchise's first playoff win, and nearly three decades and moving on to take on the Chiefs this weekend. I think we're going to have another fun divisional round ahead of us. So let's start with that, guys. So we've got uh, we've got Chiefs and Browns and Bills and Ravens in the AFC. We've got Packers versus Rams and then Buccaneers versus Saints. Brady and Breeze getting together in the playoffs in the NFC. Uh, let's start with those uh, let's start with those NFC games, Jake. Uh, you put this in the column, but let's talk about it here too. Uh, we've got uh, those two te- those two games going up one against another. Uh, what are you liking in the divisional round on the NFC side of the bracket? 
Yeah, I think uh, we, we talked about our picks already, so you know I have the Packers and the Saints. Uh, I do think the Saints cover. Uh, I even include this in the column for everybody out there that's like, it's tough to beat a team three times in the same year. It's actually, this is going to be the 22nd time, and the team is 14-7. and seven. And so about two-thirds of the time, mm-hmm. they win. One-third of the so time, not that tough. Yeah, they lose. And if you look at the Vegas odds and the money line, it's actually very close to a two-third to one-third. Like, hey, it's like Vegas knows what the hell they're doing. Uh, but mm-hmm. I actually do think the Saints cover the three points. I, I, th- I mentioned this in there as well. As if you're talking about who gets limited, the Saints have done a really good job at limiting the passing attack of the Buccaneers even before Tom Brady, Mike Evans specifically. And on the flip side, we know the Bucks can limit the run game, but Kamara can still get his touchdown as he did in both games. So I'm going to take the one limit versus the other. One, you're limiting one player. The other, you're limiting potentially four players. So I'll take the Saints to actually cover the three. I do think the Rams defense is good enough to keep this game within seven. So I'm going to take them to cover, but I don't think their offense is going to be able to do much, even against the Packers. I'd be surprised if the um, if that game stays at three if the Saints and, and Buccaneers stay at three pretty much all, you're already seeing it minus three and, and minus 120 so you're already paying a little bit more juice to get the minus three wouldn't be surprised to see that kick back up to three and a half I'm with you on that one I, I like the Packers to cover I, I think that they're going to be able to run away in that game this offense uh, has been just lights out all season and we saw the Bills so if you go all the way back to what was that like week three it was pretty early in the season right when the Bills and Rams played one another, and that was a game that was a three-point game, but the Bills put up 35 points. I think it was 35-32, the final score in that game. I think we're going to see the Packers' offense really get going. So I like uh, both favorites in the NFC, not only to win, but also to cover the spreads. Where are you at on those games, Brandon? Uh, well, um, I was just quickly, because I, I don't I don't look up the player news stuff as much as I do in season, but I want to make sure Aaron Donald was going to play. And I I'm with Jake. I think the Rams defense is one of the best I've seen all year long. They can cover in the secondary. They can push the, you know, the line. I think it's going to give Aaron Rodgers a problem. I just don't I just don't have enough faith in the Rams offense at this point to actually do enough to get the victory. But I think with like Jake said, I think they actually keep this close and cover. And I think, you know, it's going to probably be another Cam Akers if, if this goes the way uh, I expect it to, and it's going to be close. It's a lot of Cam Akers, and, man, that guy looks good, and it just pisses me off how long it took him <laughs> to get completely, you know, uh, unwrapped here in this offense. But, uh, yeah, so I, I, I still think Green Bay figures out a way to pull it out, but uh, I think that L.A. will cover, um, and I'm with – I'm with you guys on the New Orleans taking a third straight against Tampa Bay and doing it in uh, convincing enough fashion to cover the three, the three and a half, whatever it ends up being. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being at least six. Either you guys want to make an argument on behalf of the Browns. Uh, they're getting 10 <laughs> points, getting 10 points in Kansas I will, City. I will make the argument. You Kansas City cover? hasn't beat it. No, I, well, I think they could because Kansas City hasn't beaten anybody by 10 points since I think week eight. It's been like half of a season before the, since they've won a game by more than one score. Look it up. It's, it's They've been playing a ton of one-score games. I know some of that's probably complacency, and we're in the playoffs now, and we're probably going to see a, a whole different level of Patrick Mahomes in this offense. But if you want to make the argument, it's that the Chiefs haven't been blowing people away for a long, long time. Hmm. I'll say, hey, like it's – Certainly a good argument. I, I think that I don't think it's the oh they expended everything to beat the Steelers that type of argument. Uh, my argument was how did the Ravens or how did the Ravens how did the Browns win, and the Browns win by running the ball. My concern is you're down ten fourteen in a heartbeat 
against you because that defense is not stopping Patrick. That's my concern is like the Browns have no defense, as we just saw, uh, as Ben Roethlisberger proved in the second half. They got off to a bad start because of the turnover and stuff like that. It had nothing to do with the, the true Browns defense. So the only thing you can hope is they get after the quarterback. I don't think Patrick Mahomes cares about pressure. We know that. So I'm, I'm, that's my biggest concern, Brandon, is the, my biggest concern is you get out 10-14-0 and all of a sudden you can't run the ball with your strength, and that's their strength is running the ball. The Chiefs went 6-9-1 and one against the spread this year, and even if you take out Week 17 when they uh, took a loss against the spread, uh, when they played the Chargers, that's still 6-8-1. and one against the spread this season so you know, they, they, were, they were not a they were not a great cover team and I don't know I don't think they covered a spread I mean Brandon you said like right they didn't they didn't um win a game by more than a touchdown or more than double digits in the second half of the season I don't know if they covered yeah. a spread in that entire stretch they, right, they so. won they won by six or less in every game from week nine on or they lost in week 17 the last cover was week eight against the Jets when they won 35 to nine so uh, I will say this, and this will pull. I'll pull into the second a- AFC game with this, Beller, because uh, it sounds like you're saying sure. the Browns too, right? I, that's the lean. I probably wouldn't play it, but that's the lean for me for sure. That's the that's the thing too. So I will say, and this is how I was going to tie into the other one. So I would watch this and hope that some of the money starts coming in and pushing this, and maybe we get down to eight and a half. Although you know that's still not it's great according to what you know Brandon's saying, but you know get something like that. And the reason I bring that up is because Buffalo opened at three. It's already down to one and a half. I personally am smashing the one and a half. I, I know people yeah. are started to cool off of the Bills mafia and excitement and heading to the playoffs. And oh, they feel like the Ravens from last year. But I was already leaning Buffalo at three. And now that it's down to one and a half, I'm going to smash that before it moves back. And that's why I bring that up is to say, like, if Cleveland moves down, then I, you know, then I'll hit Kansas City. Like right now, I'm probably with you. I probably stay away from Kansas City right now unless it moves down. But I can't believe Buffalo's already down to one and a half. Yeah, and oh by the way, they're not the Ravens of last year anymore because they won their first round. <laughs> exactly. Game, so, and <laughs> yeah, that narrative. I, I like I like the Bills too. I, I th- Did you like I, them at I, three? I think I would have liked them at three, but I love them at one and a half. And um, you know, we'll we'll see where this line goes over the next couple of days. But um, you know, I can't imagine it. I can't imagine it swinging in much any farther than this. It would have to be extreme. It would almost have to be, um, but like if it actually swung to the other side, that's when I would get worried about it. If it somehow swung another point and a half and was a pick'em, or swung and 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 Baltimore was somehow minus one, that's where I would get worried about it. That's where I would get worried about playing Buffalo, even though I like Buffalo and think they're better because. If if books really aren't that afraid to keep on moving this line in Baltimore's direction, that's where you get scared, right? I mean, we can talk about every, this as much as we want, but books know what they're doing. And if they ultimately push <laughs> right. Baltimore to being so, a favorite in this game, that's where I would ultimately be afraid of backing Buffalo. Right, which is a really good point, too, for like if now the Cleveland, Kansas City, if they move down like one point. That's fine. Like, like, all right, they need to move to move some of the money. But if they keep, if to your point, if they keep moving, like Brandon's talking about, and they move down to seven and six and a half, then you're like, huh, maybe that point's better than we thought it is, and it isn't that safe to bet Kansas City. So those are the kind of, that's a really good point of some of the things to pay attention to, is because people just assume money 100 percent when <clears throat> when the money's moving. Oh, I just feel better or worse. But sometimes it's like you can feel worse about what you originally thought if it goes too far. Well, we'll see if we end up being right. And, uh, you know, no offense. Hey, to I went four for six the first week. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Four for six. That's a, you go two out of three. You're going to be uh, doing pretty well for Stupid yourself. Stupid Browns. Um, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. 
Go Browns. I love seeing I, I that. Was, I think I, we like all I, love I, seeing that. I, I don't remember the last time I sat there. And you know I love Mike Tomlin. You know my boys, Deontay Johnson, and all this type of stuff. And you know I really wish more for James Conner. But I have never been smiling more during a game <laughs> from open to close. It's just yeah. because I kept laughing at the Steelers and everything that was going wrong. It was just fun to see the Browns winning, too. It was just... And then yeah. the fourth quarter was just laughable from a fantasy perspective because I had a ton of the Ben Roethlisberger stacks on DFS, so I was happy there too. Oh, it was it was great. I mean, even even I mean, think about the Brown, how much Browns fans deserve this. Even old man Funston was probably like in high school the last time the Browns won a, a playoff game, right, Brandon? <laughs> uh, that's that's right. Pot calling kettle black. Um, <laughs> By the way, we haven't even brought up the fact that uh, Jake, you would have been three and three. I'm assuming you bet on the Saints uh, to cover, and uh, the NFL decided to let the uh, Bears pass on an extra point there at the end, which would have covered for the Bears. So, no, uh, that's right. It, it, well, it would have pushed. It, it would have pushed. Right, it would have pushed. Yeah. yeah, depending on when you bought that. That line kept moving up and down all week. Yes, it yeah. did. And as a as a just an, an endorsement of getting on lines that you like early, the that line Bears Saints opened at eight or eight and a half, depending on uh, where you do your extracurricular uh, sports activity. And I jumped on it right away. We're talking Sunday, eight p.m. Eastern or Central Time, something like that. It comes out at eight, eight and a half, and I jumped on the Saints at eight and a half, and so I didn't have any worries uh, about the uh, the extra point happening or not <laughs> happening. So. Always take a look early. doesn't mean you're going to do something, but it's good to know where these lines start out. You might be able to find some value there. Uh, let's get on to the, the meat of the show here, you guys. Award season, 2020 Fantasy Football Awards. And like you said, Jake, everyone can do you know MVP or best waiver wire pickup, but you've done something very creative here. You've uh, done it all. You've sort of couched everything in a discussion of old school video games. What do we mean by that? Well, we've got an odd job award, a cheat code award. Which player was the cheat code? We've got a Super Mario 2 award, someone that was better than you think. Just like Super Mario 2 is a better game than it than people think. It's not Super Mario 2's fault that it got sandwiched in between <laughs> Super Mario and Super Mario 3, right? So that's what we're doing. That's what we're dealing with here. We've got all these awards lined up and ready to go. Let's get through all of them. Let's start right off the top. Jake the best weapon award. Uh, the yeah. best weapon, basically, this one is this one's pretty simple, right? This is the fantasy MVP. Who do we got here? Who are, who are can? I mean, I, I think we can talk about um, you know a, a spate of candidates: Delvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, all guys who deserve to be talked about. Where did you ultimately go with this one? Yeah, I even mentioned this is probably one of the toughest ones. And if you want to make a case for any of the runner-ups, I'm not going to even argue that much with you, but. I went with Kamara for the fact that he had one single-digit score the entire season. It was in a blowout game. Uh, the Also, the fact is the two other times where he had single digits, he was only the two other times he didn't even reach almost 16 points, 15.9. And then, of course, that obliteration of everybody he, he faced happened to happen in Week 16 on top of it. So I go with Kamara, but if you wanted to argue for any of the rest, I understand it, but Kamara was my guy this year. Brandon, you on board with that? Well, I, I am. I, I try to be counter. You know, I try to look for a different way, go against Jake. But uh, I think what, what it came down to, and, and I was thinking, oh, it's Derrick Henry because the guy's just a hammer every week, just hammering. You can't stop it. Or it's Devontae Adams because it's, you know, consistent. Or Travis Kelsey because of separation from the rest of the tight ends. It's a great weapon. But really what the difference maker was is Alvin Kamara led running backs in fantasy points per game. 
and he did his best work in week 16. And you literally probably didn't lose if you if you were an Alvin Kamara rosterer in week 16. And that's the most important was it all comes down to, you know. So that for me was the tiebreaker. I had to go to Kamara. Yep, I uh, can speak from experience. I had two Alvin Kamara teams in the championship, and both of those teams won. One of them was very close. I can't remember off the top. Oh, I was playing like a Lamar Jackson, David Montgomery, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor team. Uh, And and so that guy made it close, but uh, both of my Alvin Kamara teams were championship teams. And I think it's that Week 16 performance, because he got you there too, right? It's not like he was David Montgomery, who we'll talk about in a little bit, who maybe left you hanging and didn't get you to that point. Alvin Kamara also got you there and then delivered the championship once you were there. So Alvin Kamara gets our Best Weapon Award. Let's move on to the next one. Odd job. I love this one, Jake. Goldeneye, (laughs) the best game that has ever been made. Sorry to anyone who wasn't born in the mid-'80s and didn't get to experience uh, Goldeneye in the way that uh, those of us who were experienced it, the right age, the right time, just absolutely love that one. And everyone knows you can't use odd job because you're cheating, right? (laughs) No, you can't hit odd job. You have to change the way you're aiming. That's BS. That's garbage. So this is the Odd Job Award, the cheat code. Who was the cheat code this year, Jake? Well, on top of it, you said you can't aim. Is so this game for people that also didn't play it, unlike the new ones, is the reticle when you start running auto centers. So it wasn't like you know Call of Duty people right now where you can keep moving it yourself. So that was the biggest thing. And he's underneath the center. That's why he was so hard to shoot because he would always duck. You know, he's under it. So this is where Travis Kelsey gets his because Travis Kelsey was a cheat code because as Brandon's brought up many times before. It's not just the gap. It's the fact that Travis Kelsey was putting up top three wide receiver numbers at the tight end position. So to get that at tight end, this is why people are going to be drafting him in the middle of the first round next year, whatever debate you want to have about that. But to get those kind of numbers at the tight end position is just not fair. Yeah, and I will just I will follow on this one as well. I promise I'm not going to agree with Jake on all of these, but um, <laughs> like I had considered Travis Kelsey strongly for best weapon, and I think mm-hmm. here it makes a whole lot of sense. He is a cheat code at the tight end position. If you want to take it literally, like Tyreek Hill, if you're playing an actual video game, he would be the cheat code because he's so fast and so small. He might show up uh, below the reticle <laughs> as well. <laughs> but uh, but in terms of what we're doing here, I think it has to be Travis Kelsey. Yeah, just uh, an unfair advantage, and uh, with Rhea, like right, like next year it becomes maybe a little bit of a discussion because of what you say, Jake, where you're going to have to take him. This year, you were able to get him right late first, early second, somewhere in that turn, maybe even uh, the 14th, 15th pick overall. So you were getting that huge advantage at the tight end position as a second round pick, and you were still getting a great first round player, assuming that you drafted well. So he was someone who uh, also probably showed up on a lot of fantasy championship teams. Um, Our next award is the Secret Chest or Secret Room Award, right? We know uh, playing RPGs, things like that. You can search around, find all these little secrets, all these little nooks, all these little crannies. It's sort of like searching the waiver wire. A little surprised with where you went here, Jake, with your winner, because James Robinson, for most people, obviously some of us playing in deeper leagues, if you drafted super late, James Robinson was maybe a late-round pick. A lot of people, though, probably picked him up off the uh, waiver wire. So is that why he ultimately did not get this because some people were able to draft him? Is that why you went away from him for your yeah, waiver wire, that, your secret chest room guy? Yeah, waiver wire, secret chest. Yeah, it, and that's why. is If everybody was reading, and I mentioned this, if you're following Emery Hunt myself, 
and we weren't the only two, but in our draft kit, we talked them up a lot. So it was just you know, a lot of people that were on the athletic, I assumed, listened to us and had James Robinson. Uh, so that's why I didn't go with him. Although if he was a waiver wire pickup, he would be the pick. Uh, I Same thing with Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson was drafted, in a, at least in a lot of the listener leagues, or listeners, followers, whatever you want to call them, for us. So I think that's why I kicked those two out. So for me, it was Justin Herbert because... No, I know nobody was drafting Justin Herbert because Tyrod right. Taylor was the quarterback to start the year. And then he got his injury stabbed through the chest with this freaking Dr. Nick over there. Um, and Justin Herbert was a QB1. He had two really poor games, one really, really poor, but it, it was the worst that came against Belichick. But even that, he rebounded after it and he finished the season top 10 quarterback, even in fantasy points per game, even despite not being in game one because he jumps a spot because of that in fantasy points per game. So to get Justin Herbert, when people are always like, wait on quarterback, get him off waivers, to get a top 10 quarterback, that's why he was my waiver pickup. Yeah, I, this is where I'll go James Robinson. And I did some forensics on this, Jake, just to, to <laughs> look at what was going on. Emery first mentioned James Robinson in a column on August 31st, saying he could be the guy if he was trying to, you know, he was trying to basically put odds on that backfield and who could emerge. And he said, if you're looking for one guy who could be the guy, it's James Robinson to do it all. So you're saying if you're um, drafted. Yeah, well then, so a Zigbo... You put down in your week one waiver wire column, which was the week leading into the actual games of week one, you said Zigbo is quote-unquote the favorite, but James Robinson could surprise, and that was September 6th. Right. So our first game of the year is like that weekend, like the 12th or whatever. Um, so even after the week one game, he was in your, I tried to tell you, guys that are 60% rostered or less, and James Robinson was in there. So even then, he was probably still about 50% rostered after week one. So I'm just saying that over 90% of leagues had probably already drafted, and they had they had to go out and get James Robinson either in week one when the coach, Marone said that he was the starter the day before the game. So... um that so I just sense. think Is everybody that- had to pick him up. You know, I hardly anybody drafted him. The people that drafted him were literally drafting in their leagues probably in the in the two in the to three days league. leading up to Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, it's splitting hairs, right? I mean, that's what, that's what Jake's saying too. And I did, I, I had him in two leagues, one where I picked him up after the draft before the season, one where I got him in an auction and that auction league was like the two, it was that, that Tuesday, right? The season started on a Thursday. The auction happened on a Tuesday. Uh, and so it really was that sweet spot where he ended up getting taken. But again, we're splitting hairs. Justin Herbert was the number 10 overall quarterback, number nine by points per game, James Robinson, seven and seven. Total points and points per game, he was seventh. And that, that Justin Herbert ranking, I should say, the points per game includes the five games that Dak Prescott played. So Justin Herbert, James Robinson, these were both great guys no matter when you added them to your team. Let's get to another award here. One of the other ones I teased, Super Mario 2. I got to be honest, I actually barely remember playing Super Mario 2. I have great memories oh, of Super man. Mario, the first one. Unbelievable memories. Yeah, yeah. It's like I You know, one of these days we got to have we got to have an athletic fantasy football podcast that's just a karaoke of Jake singing Name that tune. Name that tune, right? It's back. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a perfect award. It's a perfect name for this award because, like we said, Super Mario, everyone loved it. Super Mario Three, everyone really loved it. Super Mario Two, 
don't even really remember it that much, and that is where we highlight these players, the guys who were better than you think. The players that you listed, Jake Cole Beasley, Ryan Tannehill, Mike Davis, Naheem Hines, Robbie Anderson, who gets it and why? Uh, it's Cole Beasley for me, and it's not just the fact that Cole Beasley was a wide receiver three on the year. Uh, the best thing I liked about him was he was very, very matchup predictable. Like, there's a lot of, you know, I've done throughout the years of this is why I hate Amari Cooper before Dak Prescott. This is why I still hate Jared Cook as of today. This is why I hate this guy and this guy. The ones that good matchup, bad match, Jared Goff, doesn't matter. doesn't matter who you face. You might get Jared, good Jared Goff. You might get bad Jared Goff, and it doesn't matter because of the matchup. Cole Beasley was not only often a wide receiver two or better, but it was very, very predictable when he was too. So Cole Beasley, better than you think, better than people realized, and it was even before John Brown got hurt. He was putting up solid games. So I think Cole Beasley was very underrated this year. I absolutely 100% agree because I was doing the what Cole Beasley is better than you think. I remember mm-hmm. midseason doing like those cherry picked 16 game last 16 game kind of, you know, or like what had he done since the middle of last right, year in right. his last 16 games saying, look at last 16 games. This guy's been a thousand yarder and no one knows about it. Um, so, yeah, I'm with Jake. I remember kind of getting in and it was ended up being that I was always ranking Cole Beasley like outside the top 40 and the 50s and stuff like that. And I started I started just putting him in at the back end of the wide receiver three at worst most weeks when he was healthy because felt like and like Jake said, the matchups were predictable. And there was a lot of matchups where the flex was looking good for Buffalo and it worked out a whole lot. So I'm I'm absolutely on board with Cole Beasley. It'll be interesting to see how we treat him in fantasy leagues next year with the way Buffalo's passing game took off. Obviously, Brian Dable's going to be a hot head coaching candidate this offseason, but uh, if they bring everyone back, if it's still, obviously we know it's going to be Josh Allen and Diggs, if it's still him and John Brown, interesting to see how Cole Beasley will be treated in fantasy leagues next year, but definitely deserving of being our Super Mario 2 award winner for the 2020 season. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, next award on the docket. This is a classic one. Uh, Kids out there, you don't know this, right? You don't have these (laughs) problems, but we did back then. When games didn't work, you just take it out and you blow on the cartridge, and quite often, that did the trick. It worked. It should have worked better the first time. It did work after blowing on the cartridge. So this blow on the cartridge award goes to the player who should have worked better this season. Doesn't mean he didn't work entirely, but it just should have been better. We've got a lot of candidates for this one, Jake. Who takes home this sort of dubious but sort of (laughs) backhanded compliment honor? Uh, yeah. Also, if it's just it's not even a compliment. I almost picked Carson Wentz. There's no question about it. He, <laughs> he just was never good. So I went with Cooper Cup because not just what Cooper Cup came off of last year, but even if the, the okay the touchdowns he had ten. 
we expect a little bit of regression, not to this level. The fact is he actually caught two more passes than he did in 2019, but almost 200 fewer yards, only three touchdowns, uh, three fantasy points per game drop, and and half of his games didn't even reach double digits. Actually, he reached 9.1 or fewer in all those games. So the three best scores were the only three games that he had double-digit targets in, and those weren't even predictable because you can't predict Jared Goff. So as <laughs> Cooper Cup should have been better, and he wasn't. Yeah, this one's tough for me. It's hard to because it's you know the the results may vary on the cartridge that you're blowing on, and you know you might just take <laughs> right. one blow and then that takes care of it. You know, I think you, I I thought of Juju Smith Schuster because he had so many like uh-huh. one and two and three point games, and, and then he would go on, and then he would go on like a three or four game stretch where he'd be really good, and then he'd stop working again. Um, you had Jarvis Landry on there, and that to me that could kind of also qualify because you thought he should be better, but he was hurt. So he was kind of, you know, there was something, there was a problem with the, you know, with the cartridge and then it got better and, uh, but it wasn't maybe fully what it was originally. So, um, I'm fine with Cooper cup overall. I mean, he, he qualifies as well. It's just, uh, you could, I think you could take this a lot of different directions. Um, like I said, sometimes you just blow on it once and that thing works for a long, long time. Right, right. Some of the other people that we had listed in here, James Conner, Devin Singletary, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, just to give you an idea of what we were uh, working with for uh, the Blow on Cartridge Award this season. Jake, I'm going to have to let you explain this one because, you know, I was, I, I love, I was a big <laughs> video game player from the time, you know, I had the dexterity to do it until about, you know, uh, freshman, sophomore year of college. I've definitely fallen off in my video game playing so far. <laughs> Only thing I still play is uh, an old Nintendo 64 uh, that uh, my wife and I took from her sister. But uh, uh, Mighty Number no. 9, this is something I had never heard of until I read your column. So yeah, why don't you explain thing. that, explain what the award is, and just keep running with it. Who gets the award? Yeah, so it's basically remember when this used to be good because Mighty Number no. 9 are for the Mega Man fans out there. So the entire Mega Man series for the longest time had kind of just stopped. And the creator went off on his own and was creating Mighty Number no. 9, which was supposed to be cell shaded and the new updated version and more fun. And he had to call it Mighty Number no. 9 because they didn't have the rights to the Mega Man name. And that's what it was. It was supposed to be finally, we were getting a new Mega Man game. Yes, finally, after all this time. He got crowdsourcing for it. It blew away his target in two days. Almost a million dollars in two days. That's how much the fan base, like myself, were excited to see this game. Got delayed for years. Had bonus like crowdsourcing to get millions on top of that. Delays, 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 delays. The game came out, and it sucked. There's no other way to put it. If you want to read the breakdown, go online. I have some of it, but even more in depth. The game sucked. It was nothing like Mega Man. It was disappointing. And that's what it is. So remember when it used to be good? There is no other option than remember when Zach Ertz used to be good because even before Zach Ertz got hurt, he wasn't good. That's the thing. Zach Ertz stunk this year, period, in Zach Ertz fashion, <laughs> no matter if he was hurt or not. Dang, is there no other option? Because I actually was going to go Todd Gurley on this, who is your He's number two list. candidate. And he was good. I mean, he wasn't good, actually, but he was actually decent for fantasy purposes mm-hmm. all the way to week number nine, which is perfect here because, <laughs> you, you know, mighty number nine. He was actually probably still a top he 15 He was mighty fantasy. number nine. <laughs> number nine. Yeah. He, he, and then what did he do after that? He couldn't even get playing time over Brian Hill and Edo Smith. He didn't. What After week nine, 6.5 was, it, was his highest half PPR point total in the final six weeks. I mean, he just absolutely sucked from there on. And I think uh, he's probably, for all intents and purposes, his career is, uh, you know, stick a fork in it. 
Yeah, it definitely looks that way. And uh, yeah, thanks for the uh, thanks for the little history lesson, Jake. I had, <laughs> hadn't heard of that at all until I opened up the column this morning to read it and start putting <laughs> together the uh, the rundown in the show notes. So uh, I learned something today, which is always <laughs> a good thing to do, no matter what that might be. The next award, the Corrupted Memory Card Award. Yeah. This is pretty simple, right? Uh, just the worst feeling, right? You start up a game, you've put in all this time, you're ready to pick back up where you left off, and you can't do it. Because the memory card has screwed up, the save screwed up, something went wrong. Sounds a whole lot like a fantasy bust here. You know, I would have gone with Ezekiel Elliott. Obviously, he was a productive player, but nowhere near. I mean, from from a value standpoint, he definitely busted on what his ADP was supposed to be. So I understand that why he he was part of your uh, thought process, Jake. He ultimately didn't get the award. I think you right. did give it to someone who is also deserving. Yeah, I did. I almost went with him. Uh, yeah, and I, this is for everybody out there. This is also why I never finished Final Fantasy X because I was two thirds of the way, <laughs> two thirds of the way through. It's a for everybody out there RPG. So it's a long game. We're talking about probably a fifty hour game. And two-thirds of the way through and busted. I actually watched the rest of the game online somebody else played. This was before watching games online was a popular thing to do, kids out there. I was doing it before you were doing it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but mine's Mark Ingram. Uh, and for everybody out there that's going to be like, well, nobody wanted Mark Ingram, anybody. Everybody was on J.K. Dobbins and blah, blah. Uh, you know what? Guess what? His ADP was RB26. 6.02. People still drafted Mark Ingram, still wanted Mark Ingram. And Mark Ingram, similar to Zach Ertz, even before he got hurt, was trash. His only two games that he even scored over 5.7 points came with a touchdown, and even those weren't that great of a game. Yeah, and, it, man, I wasted too much. And I was one of those guys that said that at RB26, that was a value. Um, I think with Ezekiel Elliott, you can explain it away. It was Dak Prescott going down, and sure. you know his numbers with Dak were great, and without him, they weren't. And with Mark Ingram... You know, the only thing that changed was J.K. Dobbins. And what, what I was saying was, you know, Mark Ingram didn't have a ton of touches last year. He was, this is a great offense. They live in the red zone. He's highly efficient. He doesn't need a ton of touches. Yeah, he'll split with J.K. Dobbins, and J.K. Dobbins will probably be the Gus Edwards. What I didn't expect was that Gus Edwards would just leapfrog Mark Ingram as well, and Mark Ingram would be completely just expendable. Um, so I blew it on Mark Ingram. I was one of those guys. So this corrupted memory card category this is all mark ingram for me couldn't be anybody else i was with you brandon at, I, the, at the cost i was taking on mark ingram too mm -hmm. so was i that's why i think he's a it's a great it's a great call because i think a lot of us especially like we were putting a lot of uh what turned out to be hot air out there about mark ingram the 6.02 <laughs> uh, look what he did last year sure dobbins is going to get involved but we well, see that's because we were playing the Miles Sanders from last year. Backs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like exactly, Dobbins right? I mean, in the middle it, of the season. And it's that still sort of happened, right? I mean, that we weren't necessarily wrong about the Dobbins part. We were just wrong about things. Ingram. Anything wrong left. about Ingram actually being able to do something with it. So Mark Ingram, uh, a worthy winner of the Corrupted Memory Card Award. Let's move on to our next one here, the Power Glove Award. Remember this one from Super Mario Brothers 3. Looked cool. It was supposed <laughs> to be cool. It didn't actually do anything. It didn't do what it was supposed to do in Super Mario Brothers 3. So what are we looking for here in the fantasy football world? A player who was supposed to be cool, a player who was supposed to be useful, but ultimately it just didn't happen for him. Not quite a bust because we're not necessarily talking right. about someone who you used a premium pick on, but someone who we had reason to be excited about that just didn't happen for who we got here jake well you're supposed to use the quote too it's so bad like and but this <laughs> is back in the day kids also when bad was supposed to be good <laughs> but it's so bad and, and, and 
Truer words were never spoken because it actually really was bad. And why was LaVisca Chenault? Because it's not like we went into the season expecting a ton as a rookie, but we saw flashes immediately. And this is why. It's like, he looks so cool. He looks so good. We watched Chenault play and we're like, man, can you imagine what Chenault can do? And we kept wanting him to get more touches and we kept wanting him to do more. And it just didn't matter because whether or not Chark was hurt or playing, he was inconsistent in his workload. Keelan Cole and Chris Conley kept getting mixed in more often than he was. And when Chenault got the touches, we got excited. But also you, the worst part about it was he would have a great game and you would think, okay, maybe Chenault was happening. And then next week he got one point. And that was the biggest problem. Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, Chenault looked cool. I was in on Chenault. Uh, I still am. I, I you know they're going to make oh, some improvements to that glove. Yeah, the two point glove is going to be good. But <laughs> um, I will say Tyler Higby sort of fits this because man, people were so in on his five games at the end of last year. I I wasn't in on it, but uh, you know people thought that he was just going to to take off this year. And those five weeks from last year, he basically ended up in fifteen games. He had 44 catches in those five games at the end of last year at 43. And the, and the yardage in those five games was almost equal to what he did in the entire season this year as well. So if he didn't have that three-touchdown game, he I think he would have, for a 15-game season, uh, done less than what he did overall in those five games to close out last year. So uh, didn't really build off of that. But I'll go with Chanel because, yeah, I mean, he looks cool. Yeah, I think cool. he was on honorable mention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're both worthy of being in this discussion. Nelson Aguilar, Michael Gallup, Ronald Jones, Noah Fant, also uh, part of Jake's decision-making process here. But like you guys say, right, Trevor Lawrence is going to get added to this mix next season. So uh, we've got Trevor Lawrence, James Robinson, LaVisca Chenault, DJ Chark, think things are going to be looking a whole lot better, and that power glove is going to be useful in 2021. All right, guys, four awards left. The next one, this is one that, uh, even though, as I said, uh, my my video game playing days are certainly behind me, I I assume that this is still something that everyone, no matter if you're uh, 10 years old or 50 years old or 75 years old, listen to this, you'll totally get the one-up award, the bonus life award, someone who found new life in 2021, and maybe, or 2020, excuse me, and maybe someone who previously had life went away, got that one up, got the fun little sound that went along with it, and now is back in our fantasy discussion for 2021 and going forward. To give you an example, Jake's winner of this award in 2019 was Devontae Parker. We find our 2020 award winner at the same position. Who we got, Jake? Yeah, and this is, of all these, this is going to be my victory lap time. Although I did not expect him to be this good uh, in the preseason, uh, it was I think it was either bold predictions or another article, and I said Corey Davis is this year's Devonte Parker because the the comparison was all this talent coming out of college, all this talent we wanted and saw and have you know made excuses for after a poor rookie season, and then many excuses for because he was hurt. What are we doing? We're following the Devontae Parker path here. Multiple years, making excuses. All this talent, can it just happen? And then when nobody wants anything to do with him. 242nd overall ADP, as in so far undrafted, he's undrafted, undrafted, and then undrafted. Uh, that's when he finally hits. And again, I wasn't expecting him to be where he was at the end of the year, but through week 15, and he did let you down the final week. There's no question about it, even in week 17, but he was wide receiver 21 and wide receiver 17, actually, in fantasy points per game after week 15. Week 16, huge letdown if you played him in DFS, too, in the, the wild card round, also a letdown, but... The fact that he's even top 25 after being beyond left for dead, he's definitely had one more. He he had an extra life in that pit and jumped back out. 
Yeah, I mean, this is the Devontae Parker Award, and we're going to start looking every year <laughs> I now almost going forward. <laughs> it should be. And I'm just quickly looking. I'm like, who is the next year's Devontae Parker? Is it Christian Kirk? Is it Anthony Miller? I mean, it's going to be, you know, we're going to have <laughs> some fun some with this ones. award. Yeah, yeah. has some fun with this award going forward. But uh, with you on Corey Davis, he's like the, you know, career Devontae Parker doppelganger here. So I, to me, it can't be anybody else. He had J.D. McKissick on the list, which cracked me up because I think you have to have a first life before you can have a bonus <laughs> life. So he had, he had a little spurt. People knew his name. <laughs> I guess. Maybe in, maybe in Uber PPR leagues. Yeah, David Johnson, Robbie Anderson, Rob Gronkowski, also guys who were uh, considered for this one. But Corey Davis, uh, definitely, I think this was probably one of the easier ones. Yes. The runaway winner of the uh, one-up bonus life <laughs> award. Uh, let's move on to our next one here. Uh, everyone who's ever played Mario Kart knows the frustration of this one. Uh, the Mario Kart Lightning Bolt or Blue Shell Award. Uh, just someone who gets luck they don't deserve, right? All you've done is race horribly, so let's give you a lightning <laughs> bolt and get you back in it. Or all you've done is race horribly, you're not going to do anything but let's give you a blue shell, a spiky shell, and let you ruin it for the person who has raced the ra- the, done the race well. We've all dealt with this frustration. Who got some undeserved luck? Who got that lightning bolt that, frankly, they just didn't deserve, Jake? Of all the t-shirts I've bought, there's one that I never did, and I really want it still, but it's the blue shell one, and it basically says F you on it, but it doesn't <laughs> say F, because that's what it is. Like I don't, I don't want to walk around with a shirt that has the F-bomb on it, but right. that's the truth, because you lose friends over a blue shell, I will say that. <laughs> That. But for me, it was Marquez Marquez Valdez Scantley. And one of these days, I'll get his first name correct at, at this point. But it really came down to, and there's a long explanation why, but it was not just the fact that we were trying to find the second option and everybody, everybody was on Lazard and not Valdez Scantling as the number two. But even when Lazard got hurt, it didn't matter whether he was hurt or not. Valdez Scantling was the new, he's the new Jared Cook. He's, you couldn't predict his games. And then if you tried to, and it's like, oh, okay, he did it this week. I'll jump on board because he just scored 13. Guess what? Next week, you might have got a minus 0.4. That's the worst part about him is you couldn't predict his good games. If you got lucky with him, you got lucky with him. That's the end of the sentence. Yes. And I don't, honestly, I'm not a huge gamer. I know Mario Kart and I understand this category very well. Um, not that I, you know, race and last a lot, but I understand how <laughs> random, sure. random this is. And Mar- Marquez Valdez Scantling is perfect. I was, I was thinking maybe Naheem Hines could give him a run for his money, but at least Naheem Hines in like any kind of half PPR or PPR setting. Some of his bad games were like eight, nine points, uh, whereas like Valdez Scanling had these random spikes, and then it was really you were in the valley, living in the valley for the rest. I of thought the you time. were going to bring up one of the, the fact that I had one of the people in the honorable mentions, your boy Johnny Smith. <laughs> well, I know he he <laughs> is, but I, I feel like just random. There was so much random about the back half of the tight end one group that you're just like you could throw right. a bunch of those guys. Yeah, in they're there. all the yeah, same. Yeah, even anyway. had like Hayden Hurst in the bus, and I'm like. Yeah, but he was still usable, you know, <laughs> for a lot of time. So, tight end is he's I, on fire. There you go. <laughs> Next award, he's on fire. There it is. That's a little bit better. A uh, better job of it. That was pretty self-explanatory. Everyone's played NBA Jam. We all know this. The best stretch of the season. The best singular stretch of the season. Not necessarily the playoffs, but that's where you found your winner, Jake. Yeah, that's because ooh, the the first, If you don't, I'll let you guys. If you want to mention, it. if not, we'll come back and I'll mention it. But. There's one that you can start the first 10 weeks of the season with. So you can make a case for a lot of guys. I mentioned a lot of them, but 
if you're talking also the playoffs come into play, you're, that gives me the slight edge. That That's kind of the tiebreaker. And it's David Montgomery. Like you, the fact that David Montgomery did what he did weeks 12 through 16. So if you're in a playoff hunt, he got you into the playoffs, similar to Kamara. And then if you are in the playoffs, he helped you win, similar to Kamara. And that's what it was. You go, you rattle off five straight weeks where your worst score is 19.1. Actually, six straight weeks, sorry. And then that's your worst score, and you get 23.7 in your championship game. Or what was that, week 17? I don't know, whatever. You, you get what I'm saying. Almost yeah. 20 points every single week is David Montgomery. Yeah, yeah. Uh- and the thing about the David Montgomery thing is, is it was predictable. I mean, most everybody right, was right. looking at that schedule and saying, you know what? Just, you know, be patient with David Montgomery. His time is coming. And it absolutely went as scripted. Um, so I'm with you on the David Montgomery thing. Did it the best time of the year. Had, you know, obviously took advantage. Great schedule is good, but you also have to take advantage of it. Lots of times we predict these, oh, it's such a good game, and the guy doesn't deliver. But David Montgomery absolutely delivered. One thing I'll say is the guy that wasn't on the list, who was basically David Montgomery upper middle class version with Jonathan Taylor, who had the same super soft schedule and and put up the consistent numbers through the playoffs and I think the same time frame and even week 17 when he when he threw up 253 yards but mm-hmm. um but yeah I think it's got to be Montgomery cuz he was even better what you love about them considering we're talking about the boost they get for the playoffs is that Neither of them killed you during the regular season, right? Maybe they were a little bit short of what you wanted for them, but considering right. what they were still able to do, especially Montgomery, the volume he was getting week in and week out for the Bears, where you took him in drafts or what you had to pay for him in auctions, he didn't kill you. You weren't totally sunk uh, with him the way that you were with Mark Ingram. Uh, David Montgomery didn't submarine your team and not get you to the playoffs and then have him go off. He was still doing well enough that the rest of your team could support you and then David Montgomery carried you through those playoff weeks. So uh, one of the few deserving wins for the Chicago Bears this season. Well, David the, Montgomery taking away the I guess you're not going to mention it. I just the, the Kyler Murray weeks one through ten. Oh, yeah. One yeah, through ten, ridiculous. everybody. Like that Kyler Murray stretch. And that was above Russell Wilson's one through nine. For everybody that was Russell Wilson was cooking, go back and look at what Kyler Murray did weeks one through ten. I, I almost wanted to take Kyler Murray just because of that. I mean, you see how good it was, the fact that he slowed down so much, right, over the end of the season. Just such a yeah. slowdown over the back half of the season for Kyler Murray. And he still went into Week 17 as the QB1. It took another bad performance for him, uh, where he you know, got also a little bit banged up uh, against the Rams in that Week 17 game. And Josh Allen going out having a big game against the Dolphins for that to flip and for Josh Allen to end the season as the QB1. So that's how good Kyler Murray was from Week 1 to 10. And let me tell you something, guys. The day that Arizona traded for DeAndre Hopkins I threw I think it was like 150 bucks on uh, Kyler Murray at like plus (laughs) (laughs) he was like he was like plus 2500 or plus 3000 to win the MVP and after week 10 I was feeling very very excited about that and then everything everything just went to hell uh, for for him for the Cardinals for everyone in that offense you should have found uh, found uh, one of those places where people will buy the tickets off of you Uh, yeah prop swap should have found uh, (laughs) gone to prop swap and seen what I was able to get for it but I went down with the ship just like the Cardinals 
did uh, and uh, still think that's going to be a fun team for the 2021 season. Some other guys who we had in this discussion, uh, Alvin Kamara, weeks one to three, Stephon Diggs in the playoffs, Devontae Adams, week seven to nine, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey overlapping Hill from week eight to 11, Kelsey from week eight to 12. No surprise that those are the guys who we're talking about for the He's on Fire award. We've got one more award here, and I mean, Jake, we couldn't end it any other way, right? 100%. Couldn't end it any other way. The DuckTales <laughs> game, something I never played, but apparently uh, one of the most underrated games there's ever been, huh, Jake? So that's what we're going to go with here, DuckTales award to the most underrated fantasy player. I assume you're going to give us a little spiel on the DuckTales game also. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, DuckTales in general, I have to end the, like, this is technically still 2020 the fact that disney xd can burn for canceling the show as the reboot was actually terrific uh but yeah the ducktales game also rebooted by the way it was updated with a graphical version one of the best platforming adventure games that you can find a ton of fun the moon level theme song is what i use for my all in sports intro because it's one of the best theme songs ever uh, and you know i love ducktales i had to find a way to get him in there one more time um so yeah most underrated war Award and Brandon read this and he knows he probably could have predicted it because it's my guy. Uh, it's Deontay Johnson. And I broke down too in the fact that if you take away his three injured games, and that's part of it, you know, look, the guy left early in two of the games and then played through an injury for most of another game that he also left. So even if you include the game against the Bills where he got benched in the second quarter, you still put all that together and 15.1 fantasy points per game. And his 11, only 11 healthy games. That's the concern. Deontay Johnson, we knew that going into this year. Can you just stay healthy? But 15.1, fifth best receiver in fantasy football. Fifth, one, two, three, four, five in his healthy games. So even if you take away the healthy, we're still talking about top 15 wide receiver and include every single game. Uh, Deontay Johnson, supremely underrated. And I say underrated because nobody treats him that way. Everybody thinks about the drops. Everybody thinks about the hate. And they don't want him as anything more than a low-end wide receiver, too. And for you know, and DFS, too. I keep gobbling him up in DFS, and we'll continue to do so. Yeah, I get what you're saying with Deontay. I didn't go with him as my choice because um, the guy I'm going with is still underrated. Deontay Johnson in our mock draft went wide receiver 17, which I thought was you know, a respectable. Under. I think it's under, but it's not like way under. I'm going to go with Tannehill because Tannehill wasn't even drafted as a top 12 quarterback. All Again. he's done since <laughs> since he's been the quarterback in Tennessee. What was he in his in his 12 game starting stretch last year? Was he white or quarterback three, quarterback four? He was, he was right top there. Top five. Okay, so he was top five depending on your scoring system. Well, he was number eight in Yahoo scoring system this year. And the thing was, it's not like he's peak and valley quarterback i mean he is just consistently giving you back end qb1 value week in a week out sometimes it's even better than that every once in a while it's a little bit worse but he's so consistent and uh, yeah he wasn't even considered a top 12 quarterback in our mock draft and i won't i mean tua was but that's that's more on nando than anything else but <laughs> well i will say one counter argument thank you for Brandon. saying it yeah. <laughs> here here and you can rebut on that is, is rebut the right word is you can come back on this if you want brandon but i'll i'll give you the argument that we've made for Phil rivers and matthew stafford and stuff like that in the past and it's not the it's the running because Tannehill will run in points per game he was qb12 and i think that's why it's because yeah, he's fine. And that's like the Stafford a years past and Rivers a year. Fine, I'll get QB12. I know I'm getting QB12, but that's what it is. I know I'm getting QB12. It's some of these drafters are saying, well, I want to draft somebody who could potentially finish top five and why Herbert will go in front of him. Some running quarterbacks will go in front of him who run more. So I agree 100%. He's an honorable mention. I agree with you a 1,000% on Ryan Tannehill. But I think that's why is because people are just like, eh, 
I know he's my safe fallback option. Yeah, sometimes jump- safe fallback in fantasy is very, very nice to have. You jump in like Trevor Lawrence yeah. over him next year or uh, like would, Justin Fields, depending on where they land? Uh, I, mean, I, I guess would, we know where would, Lawrence is landing, but depending on where take Lawrence. Is I took I took Lawrence in that draft as QB 10 because that was my argument of the Herbert situation. Is Herbert with one game missed and Herbert not being the talent I think I believe Lawrence is still finished as QB 10. So I'll take Lawrence at QB 10, think he's going to do even better with the Jaguars, especially because they also have no defense. Um, right. So I will take Lawrence Fields. Jury's out on. I, I want to see where Fields lands. I love his rushing upside, but similar to Jalen Hurts when he came out, I do still have some concerns. You even saw in that game some slight concerns about his decision making. So I think he'll be there. It's, I'd say similar tier to Tannehill as Fields. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the uh, 2020 fantasy football video game inspired award. What you, about me? You didn't say who your pick was as most underrated. Um, you know what? I, I just, I mean, I think Deontay Johnson is a great call. I think Ryan Tannehill is uh, is someone who should be in the uh, discussion too. I can't get on board with Marvin Jones just because I was literally wrong about him every single week. I couldn't <laughs> believe that he was wide re- he was wide receiver sixteen and half PPR this season, and I had him on a team. He was my fourth receiver drafted. I want to say uh, behind uh, Godwin, DJ Chark, and Calvin Ridley. So he came into my season uh, as a guy who, yeah, I wasn't going to lean on as a starter, but obviously I planned on playing uh, at certain points, and I don't think I had one of his good games. I don't think I had one of his <laughs> good games in my lineup, and he had, he had a fair share of good games. And every time I played him, it was one of the bad ones, and every time I benched him, it was one of the good ones. So I just I, I can't get on. I just can't do it. I'm I'm burned for sure. I I will just I'll, I'll highlight the uh, someone who you put in here is Deshaun Watson. I mean, what a season the dude had, and it was on a bad Houston team, and it, it's getting somewhat overlooked. I think we've done a good job of putting a spotlight on the season he had, so it's not getting totally overlooked. But what a year. I mean, talk about a guy who deserved better than what the Houston Texans were this season. And it not just not a, he was not an accumulator by any stretch of the imagination. It's not like he was just putting up numbers because Houston's defense was so bad. That probably helped some of his bottom line numbers that Houston's defense was so bad, but super efficient. Did it without uh, his receipt. I mean, how many games did he get to play with Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks and Kiki Kuti, all healthy, all out there? I mean, what an incredible season that Deshaun Watson put together. And obviously, he's going to be one of the most watched players this offseason with his trade demands. So going to be fun to see wherever he ends up. And if it is still in Houston, someone who we are going to be very excited about whether or not they are also able to keep Will Fuller, and we're going to talk about some of those unrestricted free agents in a later episode during the offseason, but we got to call it an episode for our 2020 video game-inspired fantasy football awards show. Hey, no one had to be played off with music, too, so I think that's always a successful sign of a good (laughs) awards show. Uh, If you are listening to this and not an athletic subscriber, you can still get yourself quite the deal, just $3.99 a month to be an athletic subscriber. Read this uh, in column form. Read everything we do at The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash fantasyfootballbod to get that deal. $3.99 a month to be a subscriber to The Athletic. Thanks again for listening. For Jake, our award master, and for Brandon Funston, I am Michael Bellard. This show returns later this week. Me and Vic Tafer taking a look, a deeper look at those division round lines. The three of us, we're back with you next week as we continue on into putting 2020 behind us and taking a look at 2021. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. We'll talk to you all later.